Welcome to the Women's Business Workshop Podcast, a space created to help you connect during your busy day, gain new business skills while on the go, and find small, actionable steps you can use to create the business and life you crave. I'm your host, Robin Walker, a fifth-generation entrepreneur with a planning background and experience running multiple businesses ranging from product to service-based. Strategic planning and goal setting have always been at the forefront. I strive to help women like you build their businesses through one-on-one strategic planning and coaching, impactful group accountability programs, and in-person events like the annual two-day Lakeside Conference in Southern Wisconsin. Our group thrives on the support and camaraderie that women can provide each other while reaching for our dreams and raising our families. When you are ready to finally achieve that big goal and get the accountability to get there, I invite you to join us in the Impact Membership Circle. We meet for quarterly goal setting, action step creation, and mastermind calls to keep you on task. We have a spot waiting just for you. Welcome to our second podcast season, the Lakeside Conference Speaker Series. We will be bringing you interviews with the experts packed with inspiration, tips, and action steps. A lot of the topics we've been discussing so far this season have revolved around attracting your tribe and potential clients. Whether that's through in-person events, sales, social media, there is a key foundational piece that supports all this activity. It is your content. You can connect with all the people you want, but you need to send them somewhere that shows your expertise. Likewise, if you don't have relevant content, what will you be posting on social media? Your content is the underlying foundation that ties everything together. Content is not something you should be winging in your business. We decided to enlist the help of content strategist, Abby Herman. Abby specializes in idea generation and content strategy and delivery, making the marketing piece feel easier for small business owners. Hi, Abby. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Robin. Thanks so much for having me. It is my pleasure. So let's talk content. What is considered content in regards to business and what exactly does that encompass? So content is anything that you create for your business that's directed toward an audience for the purpose of building or marketing your business. So it's anything we put out there, whether it's generally it's online, but it's off, offline also. So most people think of content as blog posts and social media posts and emails, but it's also so many other things like podcasts and the show notes that you create for your podcast. It's your Facebook lives. It's other videos like Instagram stories and YouTube. And I, I really think that we don't think enough about this, but it's also direct messages that you are putting out there. It's the comments that you're making on other people's posts or sharing other people's posts. It's you getting up in front of an audience and speaking because you're delivering your message and you're marketing your business while you're doing that. It's freebies that you get out there, the things that you do to uh, help to grow your list, the freebies and opt-ins and articles that you write on other people's websites. So it is anything that you use to market your business. It could even be conversations that you have. Um, I think we go into events and we think about what, what do I want to get out of this event? Who are the people I need to connect to? And you're strategic about doing that while you're at the event. So those conversations that you have could even be considered content. How did you get into copywriting and content strategy? 
So I started uh, doing website copy back in 2007. I was um, a full-time teacher and I and a single mom and needed to make more money. <laughs> and you know, well, yes, uh, yes, same what it's situation. like to be a teacher. So I started doing website copy for a um, organization that creates websites for uh, small, like rural school districts and small businesses. And um, that just kind of grew into my business. Eventually I left my, my teaching job in 2013 and um, continued doing copywriting, and then I, I kind of shifted into the content. Um, I really love doing um, content development versus copywriting. So copywriting is mostly like the your, your website copy and, and sales pages and things like that. And then the content strategy and content development is more the ongoing work, the things that you do over and over again um, to market your business. And I really enjoy doing that because it allows me to establish a longer term relationship with my clients, um, and really get to know them. So it makes my job easier. <laughs> so eventually I kind of, several years ago, I kind of shifted into doing more content development and content strategy. I think it's really interesting how content has changed over the years, even through the time that you've been working on it. And I, I think about like when we were younger, our parents found our dentist through a neighbor's referral or the yellow uh -huh. pages, and you knew very little about the business before walking in the door. Yes. Um, now, I would guess I probably spend as much time in content and marketing as I do actually working with clients. Mm -hmm. How important would you say content is to business in today's marketplace? Well, like you said, I mean, yeah, when we were young, it was the phone book and word of mouth. And, and I think that word of mouth is still very important. But, you know, if you think about you're driving down the street in the passenger seat and you're looking for, you're looking for a restaurant, you pull out your phone and you look at, you know, you, know, you look up things on your phone. I had a friend the other day. Um, she is from Italy and she grew up there and she posted about this Italian restaurant and she posted about it on Facebook. And I was like, well, I'm going to take her recommendation because she should know, right. Where the best Italian restaurants are in her area. And so, you know, I mean, like we're looking at things online on Facebook, on websites, on Yelp to, to get recommendations, to see, you know, what people are looking at. We are looking at reviews on Amazon. Everything is online. So we need to be online. So going back to like the traditional content, it's, it's online. We need to be online. We need to be active um, and put ourselves out there. But m even more important, we need to be creating valuable content that our audience wants to hear and see and read. Um, there's so much noise out there. Like, you know, we all do dove into content marketing and putting things out there a lot of times people put content out just for the sake of having content out there, but it's really important to um, be really strategic about it and think about what you're putting out there and what your audience needs, needs to know. On that note, what mistakes do you see businesses making with content? Um, content can be really powerful to attract who you want to work with and repel who isn't the right fit and won't get that transformation. So, mm -hmm. What mistakes do you see people making as far as content? So one of the biggest mistakes I see is uh, 
people are not, business owners are not necessarily talking to their audience about what their audience wants. So like you said, you want to be able to attract the right people to you. In order to do that, you need to know what are they thinking? What are the words they're using? What are they searching for? What do they need help with? Um, and you can only do that by asking them, by having conversations with them and even like sending out a, a survey to ask them for help uh, or to ask them for, you know, what they need to hear and what they want to know. Another mistake that people are making are they're creating too much content. So it's just becomes noise. Um, content for the sake of content does not do anything <laughs> for anyone. Um, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. And it's a good way for people to just keep scrolling when they, they see what you have. Um, Another mistake is they are not sharing their content in the right places or the right way. So um, one, one of my pet peeves is connecting your Instagram feed to your Facebook feed and having your Instagram posts auto post to Facebook. It's a totally different platform. And yes, you probably have some of the same followers in both places, but the format that you use for Instagram is not necessarily, you know, with the words, you know, check out the link in my bio. And then I see that on Facebook. No, you need to rewrite the content, rewrite the, the caption and write it for that platform. Instagram is much more about storytelling and personal connection than Facebook is. So it's important to keep that in mind. And then two other things. So not having a strategy behind what you're creating. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I can say that for sure. Yes. Um, which I know we'll talk about a little bit more later, but you have to have a strategy. You have to know why you are creating that content. What is the purpose of every piece of content you put out there? And then something else I see that people do is specifically in email, but I see it all over the place, is using your content to sell rather than to educate, inform, and connect with your audience. So content marketing is not about selling. Yes, you can make sales from it. However, it's more about that personal connection that you're making. And I know it's hard and it feels weird to, to say that because, I mean, literally when you create content and you put it online or when you're standing up in front of an audience and speaking, um, yes, you're speaking to the masses. However, it's still about personal connection and giving your audience what they want so they can make that decision. And you have to be able to educate them so that they're ready to work with you. You need to, um, you know, you can inform them of what you have out there without, without being salesy about it. And you can use it to talk about some, you know, behind the scenes, some, you know, put a human face behind your content or in front of your content so that people can make that personal connection. On the note of too much content that you mentioned, people mm -hmm. having just way too much information out there, something I see often too is all of that content is just really too general and mm -hmm. it doesn't go together and it's one day they're talking about one thing and then the next day it's something totally different, all maybe under a really huge umbrella, but it makes it really confusing to the audience as far as what do you really do and nowadays, especially, I think we all want the expert. So if we're finding a physical therapist for our college-age daughter who got injured playing soccer, just a, <laughs> for me personally, you know. That's really specific. Yeah. No. 
Just a random example. I want to find a physical therapist who specializes in athletic injuries, recovery, and I found that in Patricia Fasciati, of course, but I'm looking for an expert. I don't want just whichever physical therapist is closest to me. I'm spending a lot of money. I want to make sure they're the expert. I find that out through their content. So if one day they're talking about you know, children and how you can help them learn to walk all the way to how to help grandma, you know, not roll her ankle. To me, that's too general and too broad. And I want to find someone specific, which I think you can definitely attract those people through your content. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I always recommend is to plan your content around themes. So, and the theme would relate to uh, like a launch that you have coming up or a part of your business that you want to promote more. So, um, or the, that you want to talk about more. So if you plan around themes, then you can really target your content in a way that leads people to making that buying decision. On the note of planning ahead, I read your most recent blog post on how far ahead to plan content. And I am happy to say that we have pretty much an identical approach to planning for the year. <laughs> Might be that teaching background we both have and a skill we can share with our clients. Mm -hmm. Can you share your philosophy on how far out a business should be scheduling and mapping out their content? Yes. So I, yes, feel very strongly about this too. So I think it's, it's really important for us as business owners to know where we want to go during the year, but as I call, I call myself a micro business, you know, I mean, we're, we're operating these, these little bitty businesses, which I'm not like, that's not a derogatory, you know, comment at all, but we have small businesses and, and growing businesses. And we are the face and the, the person behind our business. And we're probably doing 90% of the work. We might have a small team to, that's doing some of it, but Anything could happen in our life that could completely derail our plans. So when you plan out your year and you have ideas of what you want to do in October, November of 2020, if something happens and you get derailed, think about your mindset and, and how you're going to feel when your plans don't work out. So I think it's important to have um, a year, you know, just kind of have some ideas, but then when you go to actually plan your content and sit down and develop your strategy and, and create batch, create your content, no more than three months, well, about three months in, uh, in advance, I would say. So um, you need enough time to warm people up to whatever you're selling. So that's why the three months, because you want to warm people up. Don't plan in detail beyond that. Get your, get your, you know, strategic map together, know exactly what you're going to do for the next three months. And then in a month or two, start planning the next three months. I completely agree. That's exactly how we do the plan your year program that I offer in my group. We mm -hmm. map out that whole year and map out, I mean, what's your yearly goal? How is that going to play out over the year? What are some things that worked really well last year that you want to repeat? this year. So we get that down, but it's really planning in detail quarter by quarter. Yeah. I, I personally love doing it as a quarter just because it has a start and an end. So it kind of feels like a deadline for that accountability to actually sit down and do the work. But I completely agree. And sometimes you're, I mean, our businesses change, especially if you're in your first five years of business or so, 
things are going to dramatically change from one quarter to the next that you may not expect. Yes. Well, and you know, what's funny. I like, I just got back a couple of days ago from a conference. And when I was at the conference, something, I just had this idea, uh, thanks to a conversation that I had with, with another uh, person who was there. And I was able to, uh, well, I started working through changing what my business looks like and, and, and it's going to change, you know, it's not going to change dramatically, but I'm adding something to my business that I'm really excited about, but I wouldn't be able to do that if I was a bigger business because I'm a small business, I'm able to do that. So I can get really excited about something and do something a little bit different. But if I had my whole year planned already, I wouldn't be able to do that. It would be, I'd have to pull, I, I would have wasted my time with the other plans to now implement this new thing. So and, and I love the freedom of being able to do that. Whereas Absolutely. In, in corporate or in public education, you know, you just no. can't do stuff like that. <laughs> no, I think it's such a fine balance of having a vision of what's coming or could be coming, but also the flexibility and grace to say, mm. I didn't get as far as I thought I would. So I'm going to push that to the following quarter. But I do find having those themes ahead of time I know for me, then I know I'm not going to start, I am guilty of shiny object syndrome and I get a lot of ideas. So I really, the planning ahead really helps me to say, I already have something I'm launching in January. So this is going to need to wait, or mm -hmm. am I, at, at least I have the ability to make those decisions versus if after this month, everything is the calendar's empty. <laughs> Yeah, I would end up having being a lot less intentional about where I'm headed. So I, I agree. I like your strategy. I love it. So speaking of conferences, Abby is going to be at the Lakeside Conference March 9th and 10th in Southeast Wisconsin in 2020, which is just around the corner. We're really excited to get Abby to come and talk about content with you all in person. And I love her workshop. It's called Content Lab, Create Strategic Content That Converts. That's all the things we want. <laughs> <laughs> what can someone expect to learn in this breakout or what's the setup? Uh, who would it be good for? So it's going to be an actionable working session where we're going to work through how to develop a strategy for your content so that you can nurture your audience and help them to make an informed buying decision. And I'm going to share my framework for how I work with clients to develop those ideas and then actually take those ideas that you have for whatever it is you want to convert people into um, and connect those content ideas across multiple platforms so that you don't feel like you're starting from scratch every time you sit down to write a Facebook post or an Instagram post or whatever. Um, and you can really connect the ideas. So like you were saying, you become that expert in whatever that theme or that idea is. So it's a lot of work packed into a short amount of time. So come ready to dive in and you will get on the right track to, to get that strategy um, put together. I was so excited when we booked you as the speaker because I love having former teachers as workshop presenters <laughs> because uh <-huh. laughs> I, I know you are going through the process of the best practices for getting the information to the recipients. But I also love, and this I do this as well in my workshops, 
is the hands-on. So when you leave, you actually have applied it to your own personal situation. I think keynotes are great and speeches are great, but some things just really lend themselves like content, really lend themselves to hands-on really get to work. So I'm super excited to have that teaching background uh, doing your is workshop. What will, yeah, doing will internalize it for you. So Absolutely. that's my goal. Yes, I'm super excited. And another awesome thing, you guys, if you upgrade to a VIP ticket, which uh, those are selling, but we do have some left, you have the option to book a free one-on-one -on -one consulting session with Abby. And this is a 15, 20 minute session, just you and Abby at a table in the beautiful fireside room, talking about your personal business and your situation. What would be a good use of this time together if someone books a one-on-one -on -one with you? So content is just really individualized. It's it totally what you create, how you create it, where you create it is depend so dependent on your business, your audience, and all of that. So I think the best use of that VIP time would be to really dive into what you've started to create as far as your strategy, and then we can work one-on-one -on -one to make some tweaks. I actually did this uh, sitting in the bar at the <laughs> at the conference I was just at. I did this with, <laughs> of course a, you did. with someone I know. <laughs> so we literally took the post-its and started rearranging them and, and putting them into the right, I call them like the buckets, the your zones of genius. So just figuring out new ways to connect the content together um, and just a back and forth conversation, I think, is probably the best, the best use of that one-on-one -on -one time. Yes. And people think 15, 20 minutes isn't long. It's amazing how much insight the women get from these mini sessions. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really excited about it. That This is like one of my favorite things to do. So Yes. That's what all the speakers keep saying is that <laughs> they love the mini sessions. And on, on our surveys after each conference, that's what the attendees all say is that they get so much out of the mini sessions. And what works really well is if you attend Abby's session and then do the breakout session, the mini or the mini sessions are after all of the breakout sessions. So mm -hmm. it's really great because you'd have Abby's framework and then you could take it to the next level with her in that one-on-one -on -one and really map that out. I think that would be really beneficial. Yeah, that's that's a perfect way to do it too. Yes. Yes. So if someone's overwhelmed with all this great information you're sharing and wants to take one step towards improving their content? What's one action step that they could take to start today? Survey your audience. <laughs> okay. Uh, survey your audience and figure out what they, what they want. Um, and I, I can um, give you a link to a uh, template that I have for, I have a downloadable that, that people can have. It basically gives you questions that you could ask open-ended um, and you know quick and easy questions as well as an email that you can send with that that it's a template that you just plug in the Perfect. right information and send it out to people um, so I I'm happy to give that to you so they can take a look but you've got to talk to your audience before you start planning what you're going to create we can definitely share that in the show notes. I always suggest that as well. And then when you're looking at the responses, make sure you're paying attention to, is that person your ideal client? And whether that's worth absorbing that information or if that's something to use in a different way. 
So I always recommend um, do not send a survey to your entire email list. You want to handpick the people who you're serving. So I always recommend um, surveying people you've already worked with who you loved working with because you want more of those. And then people who you have a relationship with who you would love to work with or who is maybe a biz bestie or you know, somebody who is an ideal client, handpick them. Um, 10 to 15 people versus sending to your entire list because you're totally right. You will get responses from people. I mean, my my dad and my mom are on my email list. I don't, <laughs> right, they're right. not going to buy from me, you know, so I don't really, they don't need to respond to my survey and they don't know what online business looks like other than what I tell them. So, um, so yeah, handpick your folks. Yes. Cause I'll, I'll have clients say, well, someone told me this or someone told me that and when you stop and really explore that and say, is that someone that's in your target market or could be close to becoming a client? No. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Then, then we're good. Yes. <laughs> if someone wants to get more one-on-one copy and content help before the conference, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram, uh, Abby M. Herman, or on my website, abbymherman.com. And I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and all of the other places too, but those are the two best places to find me. We'll add all those links in the show notes. And I thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. And I cannot wait to meet you in person. Yeah, me too. I'm super excited. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening and go get back to work. 